Well, some things never get old, and confetti's one of them. You can, uh, you can sit down. All of you uh, obsessive compulsives among us, we will pick this up. As a matter of fact, we're going to give you the chance to do that. We're going to give you your very own confetti on your way out. You can just reach down, take as much as you want. You know, faith is a mixture of praise and cleanup. It's just how life is. Hey, uh, uh, Vernon has so much to think about when he got up here. Um, this is uh, also Veterans Day weekend. We want to honor our veterans. If you, if you are a veteran, would you stand up? Wherever you are online, stand up. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. Now, let me tell you what we're going to do for the, for the remainder of the time here. I know. This is so distracting. I'm going, there's one, you know. I'm, so, I got AD, I'm an ADD, big time ADD. So it's, it's like, oh boy, let's just watch this one float down. We want to focus on the Lord, though. And so we're going we're gonna to read from his word. We come to a point at which these offerings represent an investment in an unknown future. This isn't for running our church. We've got plenty of money to run our church. We don't, we, you've been very generous. You're generous people. This is entrusting God in faith with something we, for something we can't see yet. Because he's got us at a tipping point, both in our personal lives and in us as a church. Now you've heard me say that each of us has been, has been made unique, created unique for a special purpose. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, knit together in your mother's womb. And all your days were ordained when there was not yet one of them. God has a plan for your life that can't be done by any other person. By the same token, God has a plan for each church that can't be done by any other church. And as you'll hear as we go along, we're going to be stepping into that in a very intentional way, in the way we never have in the history of this church. But let's go back to the very beginning and let's talk about who God really is. Because everything we do here begins and ends with God. We have said our understanding of God comes down to, a, to this, this very simple sentence. I am, and remember that's, that's how God identified himself to Moses. I am, I am that I am. I am is us. Elohim is a plural word used in a singular sense. God himself is a relationship. The creator is a relationship. And so he made us in his image, male and female, created he them in his image for relationships. He created us for community. So I am us. I am made for relationships that are so close, I am indivisible from them. That's who my, it's the God I worship, that's who I am. Now watch. But he didn't just make us for community. He made us for mission. I am us for them. If you believe God is love, God is never love. Love is never satisfied by being satisfied. 
Love is always about the other person. And so I am us for them there. That's, who, that's we, what we believe the incarnation is of God. That God would come down because his nature, love, is to be for us and come to where we are and walk with us in our lives. That's what makes the common holy. That what, what's what, what makes all ground holy ground. And so therefore, we need a special kind of understanding. And, and I know we got kids with us. And I'll, I'll go as fast as I can with this because this, this gets a little deep a little fast. But, but here's a simple, this is a simple scripture. Colossians chapter 3 verse 2. It says this. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Set your mind on the things above. Now, I want to to tell you, God creates reality with fuzzy boundaries. Fuzzy boundaries. Boundaries that are fuzzy are connections. They're not really for division. They're for connecting. And even in our physical self, um, um, even in in, um, the, the, the sense in which God created the world. You know, it says in Romans 1.20 that his divine attributes, um, his, his, his divine nature's eternal attributes have been clearly seen in that which has been made. So if you just look at what you can see, you'll never get the whole of reality. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verses one through three. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction the old king james has it and the substance i love that word of things not seen for by it the men of old gained approval by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of god so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible let me tell you when i was going to school 60-some years ago, in, in, in elementary school, they taught us that the smallest particle of the universe was the atom. And I just pictured it in my mind as a kid, because, you know, if you're a kid up to 12 years old, PSA says you don't really have the capability for abstract, abstract thinking, to, to think conceptually. So I just pictured these little balls of stuff that just kind of combined with other balls and made what we could see. Since that time, I've understood with, with and, and I love to read in particle physics, I, I don't understand a lot, but I love to read a lot of science. I'm married to a scientist. And, and, and I've understood that particle physics gives us even a more accurate picture of the universe saying essentially the basic building blocks are insubstantive, are, are non-substantial, that is, the atoms are made up of not only protons and neutrons and electrons, but those are made up of even smaller, not particles, vibrations of leptons and, 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 and um, um, quarks and anti-leptons and anti-quarks and bosons and fermions and, and so on and so forth. In other words, when you get right down to it, nothing there. If you're a kid, you can picture this by by thinking of reality as an assembly of ghosts that put on a coat 
And what you can see is the coat. And so when we make our offering, we are offering something substantive. We are offering our time. We are offering our talent. We are offering our treasure. But I want you to know that by faith, God turns that into something that is eternal. Something that lasts way beyond and goes way beyond our limited um, um, visualization, our limited um, um, parochial uh, perception. And, 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 and it spreads out according to God's ability, according to God's capability. When you think of how we think of faith, it really doesn't make much sense to think just in terms of, oh, I see a physical need and I'm going to meet it. That's part of it. But what do we say about our own identity? It says in Galatians chapter um, 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. Now, that doesn't make any sense physically, but spiritually, you understand what that means. My old life is dead. My old life is gone. And it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The substance of who I am, of what I am doing, is spiritual. Galatians, and it goes on to say, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. And so therefore, if we are becoming more and more in the image of God, both as individuals and as a church, then our bodies, you won't be able to really tell that much of a difference between what goes on physically and what God is making happen spiritually. It says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21, it says, for me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. See, you can't lose when you're following God. Even when you don't know what's going on, you can't lose. What's it say in, 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 uh, in, in and I want you to think in, in terms of the conservation, the law of conservation of mass and of energy. You can't eliminate energy. You can't eliminate mass. It just simply changes form into one, from one form into another. If the mass is gone, the energy remains. It's what we think of as when we die. As a matter of fact, it says in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15 that what is planted is our physical body, what is raised is a spiritual body. It says this, let me just read a few, uh, a few of these verses to you. It says, um, um, it is sown a perishable body. See, these bodies are perishable. They're perishing all the time. And when you get my age, they're perishing at an accelerated rate. You, you, you kids, you know, you, your, your body's kind of building up. That's, that's good. But, but, but it's perishable. It's, it's sown a perishable body. It's raised an imperishable body. Think of the, of the law of conservation of, of matter and energy. It just is changing forms. It says, it's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory, it's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It's sown in a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. And so therefore, what are, what are we doing when we give what is physical, what we can manage, what we can control, into what we can't control? We just hope 
that God makes something more out of it than we could ask or ever even imagine. What are we doing when we literally see people walk? This says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. You know the money you're giving? You could probably use that money, couldn't you? A lot of us are giving in ways that we're not gonna be able to do some stuff because we've given this into the cause of Christ. It's sacrificial giving. But we know that God can take this and make something more than we ever could if we kept it. And that's the faith walk we're on. A couple of nights ago, I was in Ames, Iowa. You ever been in Ames, Iowa? You, 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 okay, a couple of you have. You, you don't really go there until there's a reason to go there. I've never been to Iowa. You know, I was born in Ohio, and Iowa's basically um, uh, Ohio two states over. Um, it's, it's, it's just, but I was giving a talk to this group of people that, that gave me a glimpse of what God is doing in these days that I've, he's never done up to this point in history. This room was filled um, with people um, from so many different countries. There were people from India and people from um, Haiti and, and, and from Nepal and from Mongolia and, 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 and I mean countries all over the world. And these were people you've never heard of. They're virtually invisible to the public eye of people who don't actually know who they are. And they are planting hundreds of thousands of churches ministering to millions of needs of people outside those churches and you've never heard of them and we were together and we were seeing what God was starting to do with what he's turning us into that is you know one from one uh, one church of, of 20,000 to a thousand churches of 20 so that we can be deployed out into our communities, out into the world with people who will never step foot in a church and don't need to. But they do need to know how much God loves them. And so here are all these people doing the same thing and I heard something that made my head explode. There's a, there was a Bible, trans, a well-known Bible translating um, 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 organization there, and this is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave them anonymous because it's still pretty controversial what they're doing, which endears me to it. The old style of translating the Bible into um, a native language is so long and so expensive, but you know, you, and, and it's worth it, but, but, but you got to understand the old paradigm of sending a Westerner who has a, who's gifted in linguistics to go live among people, learn the language as well as they can, and then by their expertise, translate the scriptures from the original language into that native tongue. Trying to get them to read, because otherwise it wouldn't do them any good, you know, is a long, laborious, expensive process. Can cost millions of dollars, can take 10 to 20 years, and, and, and even at that, you're at risk of translating it into a vernacular that's not used by the common people. Do you remember what it said about, the, about how uh, on the day of Pentecost, there were Jews from every country gathered around and they began to hear the word of God in their own dialect. 
And if you do the textual study on that, it means in my heart language without even an accent. These people were talking language that I totally grew up with. It's automatic to me. And so what happens in the old paradigm, the old institutional paradigm, is you translate these scriptures and, and, and some of the scriptures sit on a shelf because nobody can read them or the words don't, really don't fit. It's clumsy. It's clunky. Now, listen to this. I love this. This is what we're, this is what we're doing with this. Now, they've built tools to where they can entrust a local congregation of people who believe in Christ, they have the essence, they have the understanding of God as far as they can. And they can let that congregation translate the scriptures into their local dialect, into the language they actually use, watch, with increased accuracy, because it doesn't sit in a book, it's continually revised. They told me about a congregation that had translated half of the New Testament in two weeks. It's unheard of. Can you imagine how many people are going to be blessed with that paradigm? So why this? Because we want to get the resourcing out of the institution into the hands of people who are believers who can be a blessing to all of the families of the earth. But to do that, we've kind of got to get out of our own way. Because you know, we love, we're giving people. I love the fact that this country is such a generous country. I think it's the most generous country on the face of the earth. I love that. I love the fact that we're generous people. If we see a need, every time we, need, we bring a catastrophe, a catastrophe to you all, you donate hundreds of thousands of dollars. Because your heart just goes out to those people. But here's the challenge. How much of our lives can we give to something we don't know? That is not familiar. That we don't know what it's going to be like in two years. How much can we entrust God with? See, we have it in our spiritual history. About just giving to stuff in order to have things familiar to us. There's a, there's, a, there's a spot in the Exodus where, where Moses is, goes up on the mountain and, and Aaron's left down with the people and they're, get, they're, they're get, all getting insecure. They don't know where Moses has gone. He hasn't come back. And so they go to Aaron and they compel him to make them a god. Now they know, they know, you know, that this probably isn't the truth, but it's familiar. It's the familiar one. It's the calf that they, that they saw for 400 years. And, and they're thinking maybe there's, there's some local, you know, uh, aura around here. And so, so they go to Aaron. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the mountain, God's going, hey, better get down. You can't believe what these people are doing. So Moses comes down, looks at Aaron and says, what are you doing? And in Exodus 22, or, or 32, 22 through 24, this is what it says. Aaron said, do not let the anger of my Lord, Lord burn. You know the people, you know these people, that they're prone to evil. Now, what's he doing? Not my fault. Not my fault. I wouldn't have gone there, but except for them. How many of you excuse your own sin like that? 
God, I never meant to go there, except I was hanging around these people and I just kind of went with them. So the real villain here would be them. They're prone to evil. Switch back. They're prone to evil for they said to me, make a God for us who will go before us. And what they're saying is, we want the God we're familiar with. The God who is, who is knowable, who is seeable. For this, Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what's become of him. And I said, well, okay, whoever has any gold, let him tear it off. So they gave it to me and I threw it in the fire and out came this calf. <laughs> that kills me. They're like, who knew? Who knew what was going to happen? And the answer is, we all know what is going to happen if we're just trying to make stuff familiar to us. If we're just trying to do stuff familiar to us, we know that the local gods are going to come out. We know that that which is limited is going to come out. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 8, it says this on the other hand. For the one who sows to his own flesh, that is what's familiar, from the flesh will reap corruption. That's going to go wrong. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. We will reap things of eternity. So we don't have to know exactly what's going to happen. Because as we walk, we see what God does according to His plan, according to His capability. And when we see that happening, we know what our role is. We know why he made us like he did. We know why we've been through what we have. We know what there is yet to do. And that's what we celebrate. You know, in scripture, there's this scripture about how the angels rejoice when one sinner just comes to the Lord. Can you imagine what just happened in heaven when they saw all of us coming forward? There was a party. Confetti? Got nothing that, I mean, there was... This is about us together doing the right thing. And so we've got to understand that we have this moment in time, but it's not just a moment in time. It is the breakthrough of eternity. The breakthrough of eternity. Uh, when I was little, uh, many of us uh, did our shopping from Sears Roebuck catalog. I, I married a, a girl who got all of her clothes from Sears Roebuck. Best, best thing ever, because she's not a high maintenance, you know, I got to have the, you know. She grew up on Sears Roebuck. And, 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 and many of you now are worshiping online. I, I'm, I'm sorry, you're, you're, you're uh, ordering stuff online. You know, you, the mall is kind of freaks you out. And so you just go on. So you know what this is. You see a product, you want it, you order it, it's, they ship it to you. Now in the old days, they used to have this box in some of the catalogs. I remember this. Because they didn't have the on-demand inventory that we have these days. They'd run out of stuff, you know, if there was a run on stuff. And so there was a box. And this is what it says. If we do not have your product in stock, may we substitute something of equal or greater value. Remember those words? 
Some of you remember those words. Well, I, I knew this story about this guy who was just tighter than a drum, you know? And, and, and he's thinking, no, don't be sipping. I, I know what I want. And, and so he never would check the box. One day, his curiosity got the better of him. And so he ordered this particular tool and he thought, I'm gonna check the box just to see what happens. And sure enough, they didn't have it. But a couple of weeks later, he got in the mail, a variation of this tool did the same thing. It was much better, much more expensive. He went in the catalog, looked it up, about twice as expensive, but he got it for the price that he ordered. Same price. Now, would you like to guess what he did every time he ordered from then on? <laughs> you betcha. Check the box. I want to ask you a question. When you pray, do you check the box? See, we think we know what we want. We think we know what we're praying for. We think we know what ought to happen in the future. But sometimes, out of God's mercy, he doesn't have that in stock for us. Do you say at the end of your prayers, but if this isn't for me, feel free to substitute something of equal or greater value according to your estimation. See, that's what we're doing with this right here. These are offerings for the future. We think we know we're going the right direction and God has a path laid out for us. But how that's going to look in a year, how it's going to look in a year, no one knows. And here's our prayer. God, this substitute all the way along something of equal or greater value. It says this in, 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 in Hebrews. In, in, in Hebrews 11, remember, it talks about all of the great heroes of our faith. The Moses and, the, and, and, and um, Abraham and, and Joshua, all the, all the Hebrew heroes. And then in, verse tw in, in chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Now, is that simply metaphor? I don't think it is. We have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. I want you to know this is not just a moment in time. This is a very important time for our church, but it's not just a moment in time. Let me tell you one more story, and then we'll, 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 uh, we'll do some more prayer and song and get out of here. I, was, I, I went to the gym, this is years ago, when I used to go to gyms. I, I go to gyms now, and people just want to talk. And I'm, I'm going, Ugh. So I got this little workout room in my, in my house uh, so that I can actually work out. But I went to, went to a gym one time, and... and uh, and I saw a mom come in with her son, which I think is really cool. You know, they came in together. And this is a young guy in high school, you know, and he's just, you could see him wanting to bulk up and have muscles upon muscles and just, he was, he was serious business. And the mom, not so much. 
You know, she just kind of stopped at the bicycle section. And she climbed on, and there were some other ladies there, and they were talking, and it was nice, and they were kind of peddling. Nobody was breaking a sweat or anything. It was, it was just nice, you know? They were exercising. And, but here's this kid, and I'm watching him back there. Man, he's just pumping. He's grunting, he's groaning, he's, need a spot here, need a spot. You know, he's a boy, he's just flat out, you know? And so he got done. I mean, he, after about 40 minutes, he was shot. So he goes to his mom and says, hey, I'm ready to leave. She said, well, I'm not. She said, I, I, I got a conversation going here. I said, why don't you just climb on a bike here? And he said, really? She said, yeah. You never climbed on one of these bikes. So what, well, he said, what do you do? She said, well, there's this instrument panel up here, and you can press these and this can gives a hard course and this is an uphill course it is intermediate and, 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 and you can press this and there's a dot you know and, and you can race the dot he said race hey race she said yeah race the dot see see how fast you can go well I'm I'm working out and I'm doing you know I, and I have a clear shot this kid's leg you can even see his legs they were just a blur I mean, he's just pumping, he's going fast, he's racing that dot, he's looking at that dot. And, and, and after about 15 minutes, he jumps off and he does, yeah, I beat the dot. <laughs> and then he looks at his mom and he says, I'm gonna get dad over here and we're gonna race the dot together. No, I'm gonna get my brother, no, I'm gonna get my friends, I'm gonna get everybody over and, and we're gonna race. And, and, and his mother looks at him and she says, it's a dot. Now watch, she missed the point. I mean, technically she was right, but she missed the point. The point was, there was much more happening than that dot. I want you to understand this moment in our church history is not just a dot. Your life is not just a dot. We had the funeral of a 39-year-old woman yesterday, Amanda Broughton. For those of you who knew her, she was full of life. She <clears throat> and Scott had three, have three children, two, four, and six, lung cancer. Never smoked in her life. And they fought this. I mean, they battled this. But they wanted the whole battle to give glory to God, to somehow increase people's faith and to be an encouragement and so on and so forth. And so while I was coming back from Iowa, they, they had this service. And I had talked with Scott beforehand. I mean, it's, talking with this guy is inspirational. For those of people who only see physical life as physical life, they must have come in and said, 39 years old, three small kids, life is just a dot. But I want to tell you it's not. I want to tell you there are people who will come into a relationship, a serious relationship with God because of the life she lived and because of what she went through. I want to tell you those kids will grow up knowing their mother.
I was four years old when my father died of cancer. And my mom told me story after story. The stories of my dad still lives in my head and shapes who I am now. My dad was not just a dot. Amanda was not just a dot. You are not just a dot. Northland is not just a dot. God has the capacity to use us in eternity. Let's pray over these offerings just for such a use. Lord, thank you that we could step out in faith and proceed into what is not familiar to us and entrust our lives to you together to see how you could use us in the future for those who are vulnerable and needy, for those who are lost and wavering, for those who among us need to be sustained and lifted up and brought to you. So we give ourselves to you. You have taught us that where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. So take our hearts, Lord, and use them according to your plan, according to your purpose, according to your power. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.